paperwork and ordered the part from the dealer. I didn't ask what this would do to my rates next time around. I didn't really want to know. A few months passed before I finally got around to taking the car in for the replacement. At last, the damage was repaired. And wouldn't you know, within three weeks I got ripped off again. Same parking place in front of my house, same window forced open. I'm almost sure it was the same thief. This time, I didn't even bother to file an insurance claim. I just paid the $800 for replacement out of my pocket rather than risk my rates going through the roof. I even found a way to joke about it with someone. You know, maybe I should leave coffee and cake for this guy on the front seat with a note that says, Hey, let's be friends. If I'd just supply you with other stuff to sell, at least you wouldn't have to break into my car every few months. More than merchandise. Fortunately, airbags can be replaced. As much as you hate the loss and inconvenience, you gradually go on with your life. A year later, you won't even remember that it happened. But in the spiritual realm, a kind of stealing is going on in many lives that is much more serious. Satan is in the business of ripping off things far more important than an airbag. That is his nature. As Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Satan obviously doesn't want car parts, nor does he want your house. He doesn't live in a house. He doesn't need your vehicle, for he has other modes of transportation. He has no interest in your clothes. He's a spirit being. He doesn't care about your investments. What would money mean to him? But he is very interested in stealing spiritual treasures things that have value with God and are of eternal significance. Take, for example, our very purpose for living. Satan loves snatching men and women on the streets of my city and your city, people who have potential, and turning them into glassy-eyed wanderers through life with no goal from day to day. They lie in bed at night staring at the ceiling saying, What's the point? Just to make money? Just to have kids? Why? People turn to drugs and alcohol because they don't have a clue as to why they're alive. Others turn to career achievement or pleasure or materialism, something, anything, to fill the void, but it doesn't work. God created them to worship and enjoy Him forever, but this awareness has been stolen from their consciousness. Notice the progression in John 10, 10. Satan's first move is just petty larceny. Once he manages that, he can move on to actual killing, and from there to mass destruction. Steal, kill, destroy. But it all starts with stealing. What happened to first love? Even among those who are Christians, the devil has a strategy of theft. For example, as a pastor, I have seen over and over the tragic loss of our first love for Jesus. There was a time in our lives when we loved Jesus so much more than we do today. Our appetite for God's word was voracious. Our love for God's house was enthusiastic. Our eagerness for spreading the gospel was so strong. Now, how is it? Yes, we still love the Lord, we still come to church, but what happened to all that energy and passion? 
That is the problem Jesus addressed with the Ephesian church in Revelation 2, 2-5. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Where does first love go? Our zeal and our intensity don't evaporate. Satan steals the hot embers of devotion and consecration. We get ripped off. Someone might say, Well, you have to understand that back when I met Christ, I was an energetic teenager. A lot has happened since then. You know, we all mellow out with time. Does anyone really believe that? The Bible says God's plan for us is that we be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 There is no end to the power he wants to exhibit in our lives. The Bible has no retirement plan. God can keep his people on fire for him, can keep them sharp and intense. We need to be honest and admit what has really happened. There is no point in conning ourselves. We've been ripped off by the master thief. Faded Calling Or how about that unique calling that rests on every Christian's life, the gifting to serve others in the name of the Lord? Ten years ago there was a stirring inside of you. He gave you a dream about what he wanted to do in your life. Maybe he wanted you to teach children. Maybe he wanted you to sing. Maybe he wanted you to be a prayer warrior, standing in the gap for other people in need. Maybe there was even a pull toward the mission field that was birthed by the Holy Spirit himself. But then you got discouraged. Somebody let you down. Something went sour at your church. You tried once or twice, but somebody criticized you. Soon the dream was gone, and the calling wasn't so real. All the inspiration you had felt was missing. Sometimes I meet pastors in this condition, a hollow shell of their former selves. All the energy is gone. They're just going through the ministerial motions now. You would tend to imagine this happening mainly through the many discouragements that ministers face and their overburdened schedules leading to burnout. Actually, those are only two of Satan's strategies for going after the shepherds who work among God's flock. He has many others as well. Years ago, I met a man who really seemed sincere as he labored tirelessly to build up a congregation of believers in a major city. God's blessing upon his preaching was evident. The church began to flourish. A few years later, I happened to visit one of his services. Something had obviously changed. The pastor had somehow come to believe that he was special. The spotlight was now more on him than on Jesus Christ. The messenger had tragically become bigger than the message. We chatted afterward, and he pointedly asked me what I sensed about the direction of his church. I encouraged him as best I could, but then added, Remember, my friend, don't take yourself too seriously. This is about God's Spirit working in the lives of people to draw them nearer to Jesus. We're just called to serve them. 
preach the word faithfully, and then disappear into the background so God will get all the praise. He didn't seem very excited about my last remarks. His limited fame seemed to go quickly to his head, and soon the simple sincerity and childlike faith that had characterized his earlier efforts for God were replaced by a slick, affected flamboyance which is very destructive to the cause of Christ. The man's effective preaching and spiritual fruit quickly disappeared. Where do you think they all went? Something very precious was stolen along the way. The devil is always trying to rob us of something God blessed us with. When he succeeds, the spiritual gifts seem to fade, and the material things occupy our attention twenty-four hours a day. Home Burglaries Consider the subject of marriage. The latest surveys by researcher George Barna show that the divorce rate among churchgoers is just about equal with the population at large. If I were an atheist or an agnostic, I'd say, Look, how come Jesus can't keep you two together? I thought you said he was so wonderful. Why are Christian couples breaking up? Is it because they shouldn't have gotten married in the first place? Or because they came from dysfunctional homes and had bad role models? There is more to it than that. The thief comes to steal. In fact, Satan fully intends to destroy my marriage to Carol, even though we have served side by side in the ministry for more than twenty-five years. These are the realities of spiritual warfare. Only the power of Christ can keep the two of us together as God has planned and can give us victory over Satan's destruction.